Welcome in to another edition of the award-winning midday program with Trey and BK. It is November 20th, 20 and 23. Hope all of you had a fantastic weekend. If you're a Longhorn fan, you probably did have a pretty fantastic weekend because the Longhorns took care of business in Ames on Saturday night, beating Iowa State 26 to 16. We'll talk about that. We'll talk a little Texas basketball as the Longhorns got a win at the Garden yesterday in college hoops. Some Cowboys, some Texans, and uh, a ton of fun over the next 56 minutes or so. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm all right, other than uh, figuring out that my kids are now messing with me with regards to uh, the book that is showing in the backgrounds. And uh, yeah, and also uh, keeping Donnell Rawlings, the comedian, waiting for 20 minutes a little bit earlier, which I feel like a complete asshole about. But he was still nice enough to do the interview and uh, he gave me a lot of shit for it, too. So maybe uh, maybe that's something that we can play before it's all said and done over these next couple weeks, because he will be headlining at Rogan's Comedy Mothership the first weekend of December. Did you just forget about the interview? Uh, yeah, I did. And I didn't get a schedule alert, which is, I, I mean, I was so resistant to the Google Calendar. But now that I have Google Calendar, boy, if I don't get that schedule alert or I don't see it, I am completely fucked. Yeah. I either didn't get it or didn't see it. And I got a, uh, a text from the uh, Jeff, the great PR guy who hooked me up with this conversation to begin with. Uh, and I uh, was embarrassed to uh, to say, oh, my gosh, I'm five minutes away. If he's still okay doing this, we're going to do it. And uh, sure enough, he was. And he gave me crap as he should have, and it turned out to be a really good conversation too. Very good. Okay. Well, glad that went through. And, yeah, I got to listen to that at some point. That's fantastic. So you're in Galveston right now, and you're dealing with a little bit of a head cold too, huh? Yeah, it's just carryover from what I had last week. Um, I don't feel bad anymore, which is the good news. But the bad news is I sound like shit. So that's the trade-off. Um, I guess all of this stuff is trying to leave my body, but it doesn't and it won't. Um, so yeah, no apologies for uh, the nasaliness that I'm bringing to the table today. But can't shake this thing, man. It's, it's killing me. I don't know if it's stuck in the mustache. Maybe that's the problem. Um, but uh, yeah, it's quite annoying. Um, it really makes you appreciate being able to breathe through your nose because I, I have forgotten what that's felt like. Every time I end up with uh, end up congested like that, there's two things that go through my head. One, is this it? Am I dying now? And two, <laughs> boy, I, I love being able to breathe regularly. Oh man. Yeah. Y'all the if there's any medicine or recommendations that you or anybody out there have, I literally think I've tried every single medicine in the world outside of what Aaron Rodgers takes. So maybe I need to hit him up to see if the ayahuasca is uh something that can help with this. But I dude, I I've just been pounding all sorts of meds over the last seven days and it just it won't go away. Unfortunately, you've built up a tolerance to all the medicines that you always take. I remember this going back six, seven years when you and I first started doing a radio show. You were taking everything under the sun, and I'm like, "Holy cow!" But you would get you would get better in like a day or two. Yeah. Now yeah. that resistance is all built up, so none of it works anymore. I'm screwed, man. There's <laughs> there's really nothing left to try. So there are some other Aaron Rodgers level treatments that you can try now. Okay. Why? is to uh do you have access to like menthol or something you know, yeah eucalyptus like rub that you normally can put on your chest if you're dealing with chest congestion yeah i've tried that this past week no don't don't put it on your chest rub it all over the bottoms of your feet and put your socks on before you sleep at night oh you've tried that one already oh yeah three nights in a row damn I know, oh boy man. you are screwed i did the chest i did the belly i did the groin area that one just feels good i enjoy that <laughs> the, the bottom of the feet and took NyQuil. Like, I was just... Ooh. The whole concoction of nighttime stuff that you can do or take, I, I took. And just nothing. Nothing. You tried nothing. breaking up the uh, the tension in this part of the hand right here, where you just, like, press on this to where it hurts. You, like, press. This is a, an old, uh, old trick that Kevin showed me back in the day. It's supposed to really uh, help with nasal congestion. You break it up on both sides. You can feel where it's sensitive. You can have somebody do it for you too. So maybe get Shoshana or Papa K to uh, to grab the 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 fleshy part right here and just break up that tension. How does that make sense? I, I don't know. It's you know my hand is here. Puncture level of uh, of treatment. My nose is here. My head is here. My hands here. Uh, everything's interconnected. Well, how stupid do I look right now? 
Eh, pretty stupid. Nah, it's, nah, it's not working. It takes a little bit, but do that. Break up the uh, break up whatever tension exists in that uh, in that area. So Newport, that'll do it, DJ. I have not tried any Newports or any cigs of any kind yet. That that could be my problem. Onion under the bed in a bowl. See, this is the sort of witchcraft we're looking for on today's show. Oh, I'm about to help PK out. I'm at my parents' place. I don't think they'll like that too much. The whole house is going to reek of onion. Is it raw onion or cooked onion? It is. Ooh, I would guess raw onion. Yeah. 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 And you also keep the vampires away when you do that, too. Yes. Hair of the dog on the text line says, don't mix edibles and NyQuil. Somebody says, take a, take a steroid shot. Sana Sana Colita de Rana? That's not that It must be Hebrew or something. I, I, I think you're the one that would know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I'm the foremost authority on all things Hebrew here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Uh, I don't know much. All right, so keep the text coming. The code of text line, 512-222-9328. Still looking for app feedback as well. Um, we've got a new iPhone app update. And y'all let me know what you think. Let me know if it works. We've been beta testing it. That's why I haven't really made an official announcement on social media yet. want to make sure it's working for all of you people before we uh, go to this app full time. Android, I don't think is there just yet. Hopefully that's going to update at some point this week for you uh, Android users. So y'all can cash in on that as well. But uh, excited about this new app. Hoping that it works because it will give you guys way more features, and it's just a much cleaner and better look for uh, you app users out there. Okay, so Sana Sana Colita de Rana yeah. is a Spanish term. It's close. Translation, heel, heel, little tail of the frog. That's that's what it means. Do I need to eat frog tail? Is that what that is? Um, Snort it? I don't know. I'll just have a frog in one hand and be doing this with the other hand, and that will take care of everything. It's just say the phrase over and over again. Is it like the Candyman or something? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Candyman, 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 except Sana Sana. Be careful, dude. I'm by, I'm by a bathroom in a mirror, so don't be saying that too loud, all right? Not taking I, any chances. I had a friend as a teenager. We watched that movie at his uh, his mom's apartment. And we, it was three of us watching it. And we went into the bathroom afterwards just to do the Candyman thing because it was so ridiculous. He went and got his BB gun. And I, I swear to God, if you guys turn that light off, I'm shooting both of you. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't want to get shot with a BB gun. But it was also hilarious how seriously he was taking such a ridiculous movie. Oh, man. That is awesome. Tell your mom to rub an egg on you is what another texter on our code of text line says. You want to tell your mom to rub some eggs on you? No, no. I think that's how it was made. <laughs> yeah. Jachana would uh, draw a line there too. She'd yeah, I think so. Try and get better, but she's not going to be rubbing eggs on you to do so. No, no. She loves me, but not that much. And I don't blame her for that. <laughs> All right, man. You and uh, you and KD knocked it out of the park with post game on Saturday night. So, folks who uh, got to listen to that got to hear some of your thoughts on the game. But now you've had a couple of days to process what went down in Ames, Texas, twenty six to sixteen. The Longhorns ten and one on the year. It's their best record through eleven games since two thousand and nine. Still haven't clinched a spot in the Big Twelve championship game, but of course they still control their own destiny for that. A win on Friday, and they're in. They're still very much alive in the college football playoff conversation as well. Uh, a lot to be thankful for on this week of Thanksgiving if you are a Texas football fan right now, brother. Yeah, and look, it was 6-3 to three heading into halftime, but it could have been a lot worse than that. And Texas won it handily, and the score did not indicate just how big of a gap there was in talent in that game. Now, Iowa State made plays here and there, uh, but ultimately... Uh, they were not able to run the ball effectively, which isn't surprising. And they had a hard time stopping this Texas offense, too. Quinn Ewers continues to take baby steps towards being, maybe he's not 100% by the end of the year, or maybe he is by by the time they play their first bowl game or college football playoff game. But he was much healthier from the previous week's game against TCU, and they needed him as such. Even though C.J. Baxter looked great running the ball as the guy, didn't really even need Jaden Blue or anybody else in that backfield, 
it was the Quinn Ewers show and him just continuing to build on that rapport that he has with so many different receivers, even after uh, Jatavian Sanders and then Xavier Worthy go down with injuries. It's just that next man up mentality. And it was great to see Jordan Whittington, uh, that lunch pail guy who's gotten so much love for being a team first guy throughout the year, even though the personal stats haven't come to have a huge uh, touchdown in this game, had another big catch that got that team a first down to uh, sustain a drive. And uh, this this team is loaded with dudes right now who are uh, ready to step up and take advantage given the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, if you put a parlay on Jordan Whittington and Gunnar Helm to be the two pass catching, uh, the touchdown pass catchers for Texas on Saturday, you could have won yourself some good money, right? With yeah. how many AD and Xavier have had all year. Uh, the fact that Jay Witt got into the end zone for the first time this season. That's Whittington's first touchdown since last year. And obviously Gunnar Helm getting in the end zone too. A couple of great play designs from Steve Sarkeesian on those, by the way. I want to give him some credit because yeah. uh, both of those dudes were wide open. Quinn put the ball in the money, but hell, those throws didn't have to be great because those guys were so open on those two plays. But yeah, it was cool to see some of the quote-unquote other guys step up, right? Uh, you know, the three most consistent weapons on offense this year for Texas have been Jonathan Brooks, Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell. Obviously, Brooks didn't play, and Mitchell and Worthy didn't have huge statistical days. And like you said, uh, Worthy left a little bit early with an injury. So seeing some of the other guys step up to carry Texas to a road victory in a hostile environment, that was uh, that was awesome, man. And you're right. Like, Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers got off to a pretty bad start on on Saturday. I mean, the, the whole Texas offense was sort of snake bitten in the first half, the two touchdowns called back the Xavier worthy fumble in the red zone, obviously the special teams touchdown that was called back. Uh, just, yeah, Texas almost couldn't get out of its own way. And the officials were obviously doing big 12 official things as well. Uh, but Quinn really turned it on after the first quarter. He looked cool, calm and collected, uh, was getting the ball out quicker, was making right reads and yeah, 19 of 24 for 232 and two touchdowns from the second to the fourth quarter on Saturday night. That that type of stat line is going to get you wins on the road against good teams. Quinn Ewers uh, delivered for Texas. Yeah, and look, I, uh, I want to be clear here because I saw people tweeting about this in the moment during the game on Saturday. The calls that they made weren't necessarily the bad calls, the hold on Kelvin Banks especially, which I think was uh, was a penalty regardless, but then also the block in the back. Uh, maybe a little bit tic-tac on the block in the back, but those were penalties that could be called. The problem is, is if you're going to do that, if you're going to call the game tight, you need to call the game tight. You don't need to call it tight for one team, but not the other. But this is what we've come to expect as we uh, come down the stretch in the Big 12 of not uh, not getting officiating that seems to be even. Uh, it was a problem before Texas and Oklahoma decided to go to another conference, and you knew it was only going to get worse uh, however many years they had to stay in this crap conference until they were finally able to bolt for the SEC, and that's played out this year. Fortunately for Texas, less so for Oklahoma, but fortunately for Texas, they've been able to overcome that. And here they sit now at 10-1 and one with one game to play, so they reach the 10-win mark in the regular season for the first time since 2009, and they have a chance to not have to worry about what anybody else does this coming weekend they can clinch a spot in that Big 12 title game by beating the shit out of Texas Tech on Friday night. Yeah. And I think they will, too. We'll obviously uh, have a, a couple more days before the game itself, so we won't talk too much about it today. But they've accomplished their goals up to this point. You have to give Steve Sarkeesian, his staff, and these players a ton of credit for not letting the noise distract them, for staying focused on the task at hand. And other than one game where they played a C game and Oklahoma played their best game of the year, uh, they've played a uh, pretty darn good football throughout the course of this season. Yeah, they have. And yeah, look, what Texas did in the second half on Saturday was they played so well to the point where they took the game out of the officials' hands, right? Like... That's what Texas did, and, and that's what you worry about. When you play these closed games, you're worried that these Big 12 refs are going to make a call that just breaks your back and costs you that opportunity at, at the college football playoff and costs you the opportunity at a Big 12 championship game. Uh, in the first half, where the game was close, yeah, these calls were magnified. In the second half, though, the Longhorns just took care of business really on both sides of the ball, and they didn't even set the refs up for the opportunity to make that back-breaking type of call. So I'm with you. The Kelvin Banks, that was a hold. Uh, but the fact that Devondre Sweat didn't get held by that offensive line all night long, give me a break. The fact that Byron Murphy didn't get held by that offensive line all night long, give me a break. And that's been a recurring theme uh, against Texas this year. I mean, the Longhorns have maybe the best defensive line in the country, and there's been like zero or one holding calls against them all year long. It's a joke. So, yeah, you're not getting the consistency and that is annoying. And it's not just Saturday. It's the fact that we've seen it 
all season long. And you got to worry about it over these next two games because, you know, Brett Yormark is going to do whatever he can to ensure that he is not handing that Big 12 trophy to Texas a week from Saturday. He's possibly going to take in three straight Texas games in person because he was at the Iowa State game, thanks to uh, our colleague here at TSU, Chip Brown, for tweeting that picture out over the weekend. He's supposed to be here in Austin for Texas, Texas Tech. We'll see if he uh, doesn't come down with COVID uh, tomorrow or Wednesday to keep that from happening. But he will be there for the Big 12 championship game as well. And feel pretty good about the Longhorns' chances of uh, forcing him to uh, to to uh, suck it up and smile and hand that trophy to Steve Sarkeesian and give him a handshake and a congratulations by the time it's all said and done. Is he going to spit in his hand before he shakes Sark, uh, Sark's hand? It's possible. I'm going to try and get him on the show this week or next. I'm not holding my breath that it's going to happen, but we had a pretty good report, Big 12 Media Day, so we'll see if he'll join us. If he doesn't, it's disappointing, but it's also not surprising, and it's not the end of the world either. No, he's soft. He won't join us. I see. I don't think he's soft, though. That's that's what's uh, going to be disappointing if he doesn't join us. Is that uh, I assume that he would be willing to have that conversation and just to talk about college football in the whole and the direction that Big Twelve is headed. But we'll see. We might have to turn off our chat and our text line when your mark's on, so he doesn't see what some of the people have to say about him. Oh, it's not going to be live. <laughs> uh, probably for the best. Yeah. Probably for the best. Yeah. I don't know. That, that guy. I thought he was trying, man. He was making calls to the sidelines to get the refs to call some BS stuff on Texas in the first half, but it wasn't able to happen. Baby steps, though, because we did see a pass interference called against the defensive back on yes. a, uh, an A.D. Mitchell attempt, I think it was. Yeah, and the DB tackled him, and he was complaining. He's like, what did I do? He, I don't think the complaint was actually, what did I do? It's, dude, I'm on Iowa State. They're Texas. Don't call penalties on us. We've talked do about it. this. Call pass, offensive pass interference. Yeah, we're staying in the conference, okay? They're the ones that are leaving. You're suppo- Our boss is up there, okay? He's watching us. Don't get us in trouble. Do your job. Don't call anything on us. Call it on them. That was, uh, yeah, they, if they, they had to call that one. There are some you just have to call. And I would argue there have been a few offensive holds on other teams that, even though they had to call him, they didn't call that one. That one you had to call because, you know, sometimes the best deep shot is an underthrown deep shot because it leads to that pass interference, especially at the NFL when you get the spot foul. But that's what it was. I mean, Quinn Ewers, you could tell he's not 100% still uh, undershot A.D. Mitchell on that deep ball. The DB was beaten. He had tried to come back and make a play on the football, and he basically tackled Mitchell. So they, they couldn't let that one go, and thankfully they didn't. And that was on a drive that led... Uh, to Texas points. And and in the second half, man, Texas had five possessions in the second half, Trey. Um, three of them resulted in points. They scored 17 points, two touchdowns and a field goal. And their fifth possession was the last possession of the game where they ran the clock out. They had one unproductive possession in the second half. You talk about complimentary football. Texas has not been doing that in second halves of games recently. Mm-hmm. Texas had a three and out, one three and out in the second half. They punted it away. And on the very first Iowa State offensive play, that was the Jaron Thompson interception. Got the ball right back to the offense, and then Texas scored a touchdown three plays later. That was really cool to see. So, yeah, the offense, once again, they were snake bit in the first half. They couldn't get out of their own way. A couple of ticky-tack calls, whatever it was, Texas couldn't get into the end zone. But in that game, and we talked about it, Iowa State plays slow. You don't have a lot of possession, so you've got to make the most of every time you have the football. In the second half, Texas did just that. Uh, 80% of their drives in the second half were incredibly, incredibly productive. Once again, the defense had to bail out after the one non-productive drive. So it was great to see. Without Jonathan Brooks, the running game was pretty effective. C.J. Baxter picking up just where J.B. left off, going for over 100 yards. That was great to see. Jaden Blue, not an incredible statistical night, but had a couple of important runs for Texas, including the, you know, the run that got them the last first down to where they could kneel it out right after that. Uh, the offensive line, I thought, played well. Hey, Texas needed guys to step up in Jonathan Brooks's absence and enough guys stepped up and they got the win and they got a cover. Yes, they did. And now they get to, uh, now they get to face Texas tech one more time. And typically the case with Texas and Texas tech is you worry about games that are in Lubbock, even in years where Texas tech is not as good. It's very rare that you see a mediocre Texas tech team beat a good Texas team in Austin. And while you can't take the matchup for granted and the players need to stay focused on this, and this is 
Tech Super Bowl, after all, considering what Yulmark said to a group of Tech fans at the start of the year. The reality is, is that they are playing a third-string quarterback still. They have a good running back, Taj Brooks, but this is the Texas run defense. So how much success is he going to have against them on Friday? And then uh, Tech's defense has, uh, has been very up and down, more down than up this year, too. So I'm, I'm very confident that they can finish the regular season job in terms of going 11-1 and one on the year. Uh, goodness, what a, a great season that is already. And then uh, have a chance to win that very uh, that final Big 12 crown. Yeah, it would be awesome. And just, yeah, one final middle finger to Texas Tech on your way out the door would be great. And I'm kind of glad, like the Big 12 tiebreaker rules suck. And they're kind of screwing Texas. Like if they didn't change the Big 12 tiebreaker rules in the middle of the season, Texas would have already clinched a spot in the so title absurd. game. But I'm I'm not too upset about that because well, Texas is going to have motivation. Now, they had enough motivation before that, right? They're still playing for a playoff spot. Uh, it's senior night. Texas Tech's a rivalry game. It's your last time against Texas Tech. They, of course, beat you last year. All of that stuff should have been enough fuel to Texas's fire. But now it's you're basically guaranteed there, there shouldn't be a letdown because you're also still trying to play for the Big 12 championship, and that was this team's number one goal going into the season. So... Um, yeah, they've got a lot to play for on Friday and Texas tech picked up its sixth win of the year last week. I mean, they're, they're going to be amped up. They want to be Texas really, really bad. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, the Longhorns should be good to go. And I hope you're right. I mean, I, I hope you're right. This, uh, Texas opened up as a 13 and a half point favorite in this game this weekend feels about right to me. I mean, this is a game I think Texas should win by multiple scores. And as long as Texas doesn't beat itself, which it feels like that's what Texas has done in recent years when they've lost to Texas Tech, just bad turnovers and self-inflicted wounds. You think about the Bijan fumble in overtime last year, and Hudson Card had a couple of turnovers as well. Um, as long as Texas doesn't beat itself, yeah, this they're much more talented than Texas Tech. This is a game that they should win. And a game you can win handily. And I think this this needs to be a style points type of game, too. Like, a lot of Texas fans have been like, no, just win, just win. And I get it. For the Big 12, all you have to do is win by one. But for the CFP, resumes matter. Uh, winning by 10 on the road at Iowa State, that's a quality win. It's a, it's a good resume-boosting win. Uh, if you take care of business against Texas Tech, you beat this team by three touchdowns or something like that, then, uh, yeah, that's going to be a, another positive bullet point on Texas's resume. And, that matters at this time of year when you're comparing all of these one-loss teams. Yeah, I mean, you're probably going to need uh, a loss in front of you, too. And you have two guaranteed losses in front of you right now, right? Michigan or Ohio State is going to lose this weekend. Um, Oregon or Washington. I don't know if Oregon has technically clinched a uh, Pac-12 title game spot, but assuming that that's what the matchup ends up being, one of those two teams is going to lose. And you may need a third team losing in order to get in. Now, Florida State is obviously, as you mentioned earlier, without Jordan Travis for the rest of the season. Florida, interestingly, is going to be without Graham Mertz for the rest of the season, too. He suffered, I think, a collarbone injury. Yeah. And their uh, soul-crushing loss to Missouri on Saturday. So it's going to be backup quarterback versus backup quarterback in Florida, Florida State. That game is in Gainesville for what it's worth. And uh, between that or Louisville, I think Florida State does end up losing. So that that will hopefully be taken care of for us. But you still yep. probably need a couple more teams to lose to make it to a college football playoff, assuming you take care of your business. You don't control any of that other stuff. So control what you can. And that is winning against Texas Tech and getting ready for Oklahoma State, OU, whoever it is that you end up playing at Jerry World in two weekends. Yep. Yep, that's it. Control what you can control. And man, I've said it all year. I think if Texas goes 12-1 and one and they win the Big 12, they're going to find their way into the CFP. I wasn't feeling as good about that take over these last couple of weeks because nobody was losing. And then I saw Jordan Travis's leg bending in 15 different directions. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe this will work out for us as, as much as it sucks for the kid. And I wish that didn't happen. Like maybe, uh, maybe the door has opened up a little bit for the Longhorns to actually get in. Of course, Florida State's got to lose still and they've got plenty of talent i mean texas you know won two games with a backup quarterback maybe florida state can win two games with a backup quarterback but uh obviously it, it feels like there's a little bit more of a sliver of hope now for texas fans there yeah i agreed with that now the, the, there's a couple of concerning scenarios here that will keep texas out too one is michigan beating ohio state but because ohio state has what is considered two of the better wins on their resume right now they still find a way in, especially if Michigan 
is able to win that Big Ten crown over Iowa, which still crushed the Hawkeyes in that game. <laughs> but also Oregon-Washington. If Washington beats Washington State in the Apple Cup this week, and by the way, credit to those two schools for coming up with an agreement that keeps that rivalry going through at least 2028. Love to see that. And in yeah. an era where uh, everybody is turning their backs on everybody else, uh, that that is the wrong way to handle that. Try and keep the rivalry going if you can. But if they beat Washington State, face Oregon again, but Oregon beats them, there's a chance we see both those teams make it. I think that is the less likely scenario than Ohio State, Michigan, what I just talked about, because Michigan and Ohio State are those blue blood programs, much like what Texas is, which is why Texas could end up snuffed out, especially if Oklahoma continues limping to the finish line like they have over the last month. If there is, no, I, I, I'm not worried about that. Maybe I should be. Maybe you're right. Uh, that's a rational fear, but I don't see a world where. 12 and one conference championship winning Texas gets left out over Ohio state or Michigan who doesn't even play for their conference championship, let alone win the conference championship or loser of PAC 12 championship. I hope that's, I hope that's right with Ohio state. I just look and see Ohio state and how much they were pumping up the wins that they had over Penn Notre state. Dame. Yeah. Penn state, Notre Dame. I mean, you talk about Oklahoma looking bad, but you know, I'm like what? What are they doing? It's, it's a great... It, I agree. And when that argument was being made a month ago, I was like, that's fucking ridiculous. Notre Dame is already starting to slip and Penn State's clearly not that good. And they've proven it uh, once since then, getting worked by Michigan in Happy Valley. But uh, I've, I've come not to uh, not to believe that I, I'm going to know what the hell the college football playoff committee is going to do when it's all said and done. Yeah. It's just cool that we get to have these conversations, man. I was talking to Bucky about that this morning. Like. Yeah. For weeks, there's been a couple of people who would comment on YouTube or text us and be like, stop talking about the playoffs. Stop talking about it. We still, we're right here, man. Like mm-hmm. two games, two games. It's it's cool that for the first time in the history of the college football playoff, we get to have these conversations the week of Thanksgiving. Hell, we've gotten to Halloween and not been able to have these conversations in a number of years. We've gotten to the month of October and known that the season is over a lot in the last 10, 12 years. It's uh, it's exciting, man. It really is exciting to to be in the mix. Uh, job's not finished, of course, but uh, nice win on Saturday. Uh, nice road wins for Texas, back to back weeks in two places that have given the Longhorns fits in Fort Worth and in Ames to win both of these games. Uh, you will absolutely take it. And now, yeah, just get it done this week. And the scenarios for the potential opponent in the Big Twelve Championship game. Have you seen these? No. So Oklahoma State is in the driver's seat. If Oklahoma State beats I knew that. BYU in Stillwater, no. then they'll be in. So they're 17-point favorites. That's a game they should win. Now BYU with a Jewish kid at quarterback, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, let me ask you about the... The hell? The, yeah, did you see the Jew play against uh, Oklahoma? Oh, boy, I'm not sure I'm comfortable answering that question. Uh, well, they showed it on the broadcast. The Jewish it's, guy? They had a graphic that said first Jewish QB in BYU history, which uh, I'd take a guess that most Power 5 programs have not had a Jewish guy play quarterback, but obviously a bigger deal at BYU. It wouldn't be the, I know he's not Armenian, but it wouldn't be the first Armenian to play quarterback for BYU in their history. Uh, that'd be Steve Sarkeesian, right? Yeah, baby. Armos yeah. unite. And the crowd goes mild. Actually, there's no crowd because there's literally nobody who associates with that. How many Armos do you know? Do you even call yourselves Armos or is that you? Not until I talked to Sam Tripoli last week, who we went and saw perform stand-up at Vulcan on Friday night. Fucking hilarious. I was like, Sam, I'm like, always great to talk to you. I'm like, I know very few Armenians outside of my own family. So it's always a a pleasure. He's like, yeah, you, me, and Steve Sarkeesian. (laughs) It's like, Armos Unite. So now I'm I'm taking to that uh, phrase too. Armos Unite, baby. Oh my God! All right, let, let me Serge ask Kankian from uh from System of a Down. Thank you, DJ. That's one of the guys' names in System of a Down. Yeah, the lead singer. Really? Yeah, much cooler than Trey Elling. Yeah, much cooler than you in a number of different ways. So let me ask this question. Uh, this is like my dad was in the room. Thankfully, he just walked out. Although he's probably listening on YouTube, so he'll hear this. But how does it work for Jake Retzlaff, the Jewish quarterback at BYU? Is he allowed to have premarital intercourse? Or because he's at BYU, he can't? Only if he does it through a hole in a sheet. Okay. 
or does he just have to soak for eight crazy nights? Is that what he does? Once again, it matters. I mean, who is jumping on the bed as you just <laughs> there stationary in, inside of his partner? Uh, if he would have beat Oklahoma, all of those questions would have been answered, but unfortunately it didn't happen. So anyways, OSU, if they beat BYU, uh, they're in. Uh, if Oklahoma State loses, then OU will be in if OU beats TCU. That game's on Friday, by the way. Friday morning, Oklahoma hosts TCU. Mm. Dylan Gabriel left the BYU game with what looked to be a concussion. So we'll uh, we'll see if he can even play for the Sooners this Friday. But OSU's in the driver's seat. If they lose and OU wins, OU will be in. If both Oklahoma schools lose, Kansas State will be in, assuming they win this weekend. So uh, still a few different scenarios for potential opponents in the conference championship game for Texas, but Oklahoma state once again is in the driver's seat. And I said it this morning, Trey, I don't know if you agree with me here. I think most Texas fans would rather play Oklahoma again. Right. And it's probably best for the college football playoff committee. You get to play OU. You get to avenge your only loss of the season. Like that stuff matters, but I want to play Oklahoma state because this big 12 farewell tour has gone very well for the Longhorns this year. And there are 10 teams in the Big 12 before this year, nine of them if you don't include Texas. Texas had seven of them on the schedule. They did not have Oklahoma State. They did not have West Virginia. Well, Texas beat West Virginia last year. So the last matchup between the Longhorns and the Mountaineers went our way. Texas did not beat Oklahoma State last year. So as of right now, look, Texas Tech can still have bragging rights because they beat Texas last year. But if Texas beats Texas Tech, they'll be able to have the last game bragging rights against the Red Raiders, meaning there's only one team that Texas won't be able to claim a final victory against. And that's Oklahoma State. So I want to play them. I want to beat them. So literally every single Big 12 opponent that has to stay in this lame-ass conference will have to recognize the fact that Texas beat them en route to a Big 12 championship on the way out the door. What do you think? In thinking about that matchup, I feel like Oklahoma State poses... Just with what they bring to the table offensively, they pose the biggest threat to Texas. Really? Yeah. Because, cool. look, I, I know that most teams aren't going to be able to run on Texas defense, and Ollie Gordon may have some success, but he's he's also going to have a hard go of it too. But Alan Bowman has shown the ability to throw the football around over the second half of the season. They've got good receivers too. That worries me. I mean, we just watched Rocco Beck to, in Iowa State have a or Rocco Beck have a career passing day. I know Iowa State has, has done a better job of throwing the football in Texas secondaries in the past. I think I went over 300 yards against this Texan secondary on Saturday. Some of that was because they were trailing, but some of that is because they were having their most success throwing the football around. And they yeah. were really good with the slant routes, obviously, and uh, designed some really nice plays, too, that had uh, receivers open just running wild down the field with no Texas defenders inside. Obviously, that long touchdown on the uh, fourth and short is a good example of that, too. So Oklahoma State does worry me a little bit. Ultimately, I think Texas will win that game. But uh, it is a bigger challenge than I think a lot of people realize right now. If Oklahoma State is playing even, let's say, a B-plus game on offense. Yeah, I think of those three teams, Oklahoma State actually scares me the least. Um, then Oklahoma or Kansas State? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I would pick Texas to win against any of those three teams. Honestly, K-State, I think, would scare me the most, which is funny because that's the only team of those three that Texas has beaten this yeah. year, and they beat them with a backup quarterback. But um, I don't know. Chris Kleiman's good. They won the Big 12 last year against an undefeated TCU team. I feel like they'd get up for that game, and I'm cool not seeing those purple people again. Um, Oklahoma, you know, they beat us this year. So reason to have a little bit of fear. Once again, I would still pick Texas to win that game. I've been saying that since we left the Cotton Bowl. Like, hey, if we get a rematch, we're going to win. Um, but yeah, I just, I think those two teams are better than Oklahoma State. I know Oklahoma State beat OU, but talent-wise, I and just... And Kansas State, too. Yeah, talent-wise, I just think, uh, I think Oklahoma State's the weakest of those three. We'll see. Let's just let's just get there ourselves. I guess you and can make the argument that Oklahoma has the best receivers of those three teams. It's certainly not Kansas State, but Oklahoma State has that argument too. You know, the the way is led by Presley, but uh, they they have some other uh, talented guys who uh, who catch passes on the outside. Yeah, but overall talent though, you're with me, right? I mean, Oklahoma State's the we like people said this was Mike Gundy's least talented team in Stillwater. I know he's done a great job. It's impressive that they're in this mix, but. 
I just I feel like on paper and the games aren't played on paper. We know this, but they they're the least talented of these four teams that are fighting for these two spots. I'd say they're maybe on par slightly above what Kansas State is at. Wow. Okay. Because Kansas State is working at such a disadvantage with how they have to recruit too. Okay. Now you could you could you could take that and say which team is better coached. And it's I don't know, maybe it's not a no brainer, but Chris Kleiman is is the better coach to me. Like I, I'm confident going on out on that sturdy limb than hmm. than the uh, mulleted one, Mike Gundy. Hmm. But uh, Gundy has also done a really good job of, of taking a team that really sucked at the start of the year and to have them essentially controlling their own fate in the last weekend of the regular season to make it to that Big 12 championship game. You do have to get to, to tip your cap to him because yeah. uh, this season could have gone very sideways to poor to the point where he was on the hot seat and the opposite has happened. Yeah, I mean, Mike Gundy's got a strong case for coach of the year in this conference, right? I mean, obviously, Sark still, right? Obviously, Sark does, and yeah, he'll probably win it if Texas wins and they finish first in the conference. Uh, he'll probably get it. Lance Leipold at Kansas. I mean, the fact that they could be eight and four this year, like, that that's a pretty big deal. Um, he would have a, a case to make. Maybe Neil Brown at West Virginia. Everyone thought that dude was going to get fired, and they're actually having a very solid year out there. I understand any votes for Neil Brown because I was yeah. shitting as hard on Neil Brown as anybody in the preseason. So I'm eating a little bit of crow in that regard right now. And then uh, and then Gundy too, because they lost a ton of players to the portal, and obviously they lost to South Alabama, thirty three to seven in the final game of non con, and everyone just assumed they were going to win like four games this year and. Uh, they're a home win against BYU from playing for the conference championship. So uh, you got some compelling cases to be made, but yeah, Sark, I, I think if Texas wins, uh, Sark will, uh, will get that nod. All right, let's uh, give some love to some of our great sponsors here before we shift gears and talk maybe Texas basketball, maybe NFL. Who knows? We'll figure it out on the fly. That's what we do. That's why we're award winners right here. Uh, this guy is an award-winning guy. His company, if it hasn't won an award, it, it needs to win a lot of awards. Our buddy, Tom McKay, for AV Consultations. Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. Scientific data proves it. Size does matter. The bigger and wider your television is, the better. Football season is here, and the time is now to get your entire audio video experience tuned up and ready. New flat screens, projection video, Dolby True HD surround, all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service. So call us at 255-8678. That's 255-8678 or on the web at avconsultations.com. Yes, indeed. Shout out to Tom McKay. Shout out to AV Consultations. And also shout out to our friends at Great Blue Heron Furniture, a custom leather furniture company that's been around since 1991. We people coming over for Thanksgiving this week and they're complaining. Well, they're going to be complaining. That's just how it works with Thanksgiving. But they're like, ah, your couch sucks, man. You need your furniture. You'll be like, shut up. But then you'll realize they're probably right. And if you do need to upgrade your furniture, Great Blue Heron Furniture. That's where you need to go. Couches, recliners, chairs, ottomans, bar stools. They've got it all. If you're watching on YouTube, just click the link in the video description below. It will take you right to our Texas Sports Unfiltered collection. If you're listening on the app, just go to greatbluehairandfurniture.com and make sure you type in the promo code HOOKEM at checkout. You're going to get 15% off. This is the best looking. This is the most comfortable. This is the best built furniture anywhere in the world. So if you're looking for an amazing looking piece that's going to last you for decades to come, look no further than greatblueheronfurniture.com. Okay, Trey, where do you want to go next? Do you want to go other college football? Do you want to go Texas basketball? Do you want to go Cowboys? Do you want to go Texans? I'm giving you the floor before we get to where we at in society in about 10. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little Texas hoops first. If we need to uh, shift to college football or the NFL, we can do that. Or we can get to those things tomorrow. Okay, Texas basketball at Madison Square Garden picked up a thrilling last-second victory thanks to the Anal Roberts transfer, Max Asmus, who had a very difficult fall-away jumper. They hit him right in his face with 0.4 seconds to go. Max Asmus is a great kid, by the way. I met him before the year, talked to him for 5, 10 minutes. Great kid. He's been an elite scorer in college basketball for a number of years. It was a huge get for Rodney Terry in the offseason, getting Ace Miss to a transfer to Texas. Didn't have a fantastic shooting night. He was only 6 of 19, but Trey, obviously the biggest shot of the night for either team, went down thanks to Max Ace Miss. Big time moment for him. Very ill-advised shot, but hey, uh, 
There's guys on your roster that are willing to take that last second shot. And even if they've been cold all night long, they can still drill it. And that's exactly what he did. Give credit to Caden Shedrick. A huge game by him. He just looked silky smooth uh, in and around the paint. Uh, just making shots from all over the paint, just outside as well. It does a great job of getting up and down the floor too. And he's doing all of this while on a potential minutes limit because of that shoulder injury. Finishes with a career-high 27 points, had seven boards as well. And, man, this Texas offense is a lot of fun to watch, BK, because Rodney Terry, the way that he has uh, drawn things up, he gives them some freedom to, to try and push the ball up the floor to get easy buckets. But even when they don't, they still find themselves with easy opportunities because of the movement on the offense. It's not exactly a motion offense necessarily, but the way that these guys move and set picks for one another – uh, you see a lot of easy, uh, easy passes over the defense that that have guys right around the basket with a, an easy put in, and so this Texas basketball team continues to be an entertaining group to watch. I realize that Louisville is trying to bounce back from a horrific last season, but uh, they played a really good game themselves, and Texas took their best shot, and uh, now they get to face a, a top five p- opponent tonight as a result. Yeah, the defending national champion UConn Huskies await the uh, Longhorns tonight in the. Sattva Empire Classic. Have we figured out what Sattva is? Am I even saying that right? Uh, isn't that the name of the Jewish quarterback for BYU? <laughs> well done. No, I think that's uh, Chatzva. Okay. I know it's a red slap. Sorry about that. Neither of us. You know funny slash embarrassing. I didn't even remember that UConn won the championship last year. That's how. <laughs> And I watched it too. I just, that's how little college basketball registers with me when it's not Texas. Yeah. It was a very uneventful final four, a final four that Texas should have been a part of. We should have seen this game in March, by the way, like Texas, actually in April, Texas and UConn should have played in the national semifinal. If it weren't for uncle Luke paying off those refs in that uh, elite eight game against Miami, Uh, we would have gotten that matchup last year. Now we're getting it this year. Obviously the teams are incredibly, incredibly different. Um, but yeah, a, a real chance for Texas to uh, test its mettle early on against a really, really good UConn team. They lost a lot, but they're still in the top five. They beat the hell out of Indiana yesterday. They look damn good in doing so. And UConn's one of the best teams in the country again this year. So I don't know if Texas has to win tonight. Obviously, if they do, that's a massive, massive win for Rodney Terry and uh, really high quality quadrant one victory for this Texas team. But if they just play close for 40 minutes, I, I think I'd be pretty satisfied considering Dylan DeSue is not available. If they keep this thing uh, interesting tonight at MSG, then I think I'd be satisfied. But, man, if, if they lost, that would have been a disaster. Louisville did play well. That's the best I've seen Louisville play in the last two seasons. But you were being too nice, Trey. I mean, they were 4-28 and last year. Yeah. Louisville. Like, normally, okay, you play, you hit a game-winning shot to beat Louisville. That's a, that's a big deal. Wow, Louisville, one of the more historic college basketball programs of all time. Like, that's a nice win. No, that would have been a disastrous loss because, look, Louisville's going to win more than four games. They're already at two, so I, I think they're going to win more than four this year. Uh, but I, I still don't think they're very good. I don't think they're a tournament team this year, which would have meant that would have been a bad loss for Texas. Uh, so Ace Miss hitting that shot was was huge. And obviously you mentioned Shedrick's 27 points in 27 minutes. They needed all 27 of them because uh, that would have been a bad, bad loss for Texas. And I said last week, a loss to Louisville in basketball would have been as bad or worse than any loss to Kansas in football that you've had in the last decade. Like that's, that's how bad I think Louisville is. And that's how bad I think Kenny Payne is as a coach. Uh, maybe Louisville has a great year and we're all of a sudden talking about that looking like a good win, but I don't expect that to happen. And the good news is Texas walked away with the W, but the fact that it was that close does concern me a little bit. Has somebody found out why Max's last name is pronounced Acemus when there's no <laughs> S that's the second letter, there's a B that's the second letter of his last name? Yeah, A-B-M-A-S. How do you get Acemus from that? A- Abmus, Abmus or Abmus. Right, that's what it Not should Amos. be. Or, you know, you got a silent B, Amos. Sure, Amos works too. It's anus, really close to anus, but right. Uh, maybe that's why he went Amos. The Amos is uh, is kind of a clunky pronunciation, or Abmus. So you just put the S in there. At Amos, Lisa Asmus, I guess. Yeah, the guy. Uh, the guy is not Asmus. He's a good player. I'm glad we have him, and I'm not glad I said that joke. Should have left that one at home. Uh, the transfers, though, the three leading scorers for Texas, three transfers, Shedrick, Acemus, and 
fire IT department because we've got IT Horton coming in. Uh, those were the guys who who carried the weight for the Longhorns. But the big the big concern that I had, and the big concern I think a lot of people who cover this team had going into the year, was um, defense, on ball defense, especially with guards. And Louisville's guards, they hit a bunch of threes. One guy was living at the free throw line. It felt like. Um, but yeah, Texas does not do a great job on the perimeter of keeping guys in front of them. So having Cedric down low helps. When DeSue comes back, having him as your last line of defense down low helps. But yeah, Texas's on-ball defense on the perimeter uh, left a lot to be desired. Ace, Smith and Hunter, for as good as they are offensively, they are undersized. They're not, you know, Hunter's a decent on-ball defender when he wants to be, but uh, neither of those guys are elite on that side by any stretch. So uh, yeah, the defense left something to be desired. But like you said, uh, Texas's offense has been good. They've scored 80 plus in each of these first four games this year. If they can do that against UConn tonight, then we're going to be talking about a really, really fun offense to watch this season. All right. Thanks to our guy, Steve of Pest Wranglers, AKA Cooter. He just texted me in German. The sound for S looks like a B. So apparently he's German. Doesn't look very German. I mean, does he look German to you? I think that there are uh, people who look uh, like all all sorts of different things who uh, who are from Germany. Maybe his dad was uh, maybe he's a military brat. Maybe his dad was serving in Germany. I don't know. His dad was serving somewhere in the Dallas area because Max Aismith went to Jesuit in Dallas. Well, when he was born, and maybe yeah. he settled in Dallas, but I don't know why that would matter about uh, what the last name is. It's not like you change your last name when you serve in Germany. That was just a stupid thought by me. Because <laughs> I to admit right now. And I hate that you blamed uh, Cooter for that, too. Like, why did you bring him into that? Cooter is the one who said that the B in German sounds like an S, so that's where it comes from. We'll read this comment here from Daryl. I don't know if any of that makes Darryl sense. It's Daryl pulling a fast one on us, but... Asmus's father said the B was originally a Scharfes S, also called an Ezed. It's a German letter that resembles a B, but is actually pronounced like an S. There you go. All right. So some German bloodline, I guess, for the Asmus family. I feel like they've taken some liberties with going with the hard A there. I feel like if you're going to own that one, you got to own it. You got to go Asmus. <laughs> oh, AKA, man. AKA uh, the... <laughs> The week before and after Christmas in, in your uh, your parts. Asmus. Yeah, I love that. That's a, that's our new holiday right there. We've got Festivus, Christmas, and Asmus, the, uh, the Holy Trinity right there. Uh, all right, so Texas, UConn, 6 o'clock on ESPNU tonight because there's Monday Night Football, I guess, on ESPN 1 and 2. So, uh, but yeah, hopefully uh, the Longhorns can, can play with UConn tonight. That would go a long way to make me feel a lot better about this basketball team. You don't uh, feel good about this team right now. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I didn't like yesterday, though. Once again, like I, I think Louisville is horrible. Horrible, horrible. Yeah. Maybe they have a good year, once again. And maybe in a couple of months, I, I feel like an idiot for feeling as down on this performance as I did. But, uh, no, like, I basically feel how I felt after Texas football in 2019 needed a long Cameron Dicker field goal to beat Kansas, like 57 to 56. Remember that? Yep. Where it's like, okay, we won. That's good. That's what matters. But that team, should it have been that close? Should it have required something in the final seconds to beat them? Like, not great. So that's where I'm at. But I think this Texas basketball team's good. They'll be a lot better when Dylan DeSue gets here. I don't think they're going to the Elite Eight or anything, but... Uh, the hope is they're closer to doing what they did last year moving forward, right? Last year can't be the anomaly. With the Moody Center, with what Texas basketball has going for it right now, uh, they need to be a perennial tournament lock, and hopefully they're having some success more often than not when we get to March Madness. Okay. Speaking of Steve, let's hear from Steve. Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone can see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers. 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at Pest Wranglers. Com. Where are we at in society today? 
All right, it is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But today is not that day because we're having a talk apocalypse today, BK. Ooh. Can you survive an apocalypse? I'm asking you specifically before we get into the generality of that question. What kind of apocalypse? Like a zombie apocalypse? In the world scenario, zombie apocalypse, nuclear apocalypse. I mean, name the apocalypse. Generally speaking, do you think that uh, you have what it takes to survive an apocalypse of robots, let's say? Yeah, because I'm on the robots team. That's true. So that one I feel good about. But most of the other scenarios that you brought up, mm, I don't think I'd be the first to go out, but... I don't think I'd be the last to go out either. Okay, well, I'm glad you said that because do you think or what are the chances you think you could be the sole survivor of an apocalypse? That is last man standing, last uh, man or woman standing. Uh, Akon, and, Akon and Young Jeezy have a song about that, I think. Uh, there's also a, a sitcom on Fox a few years ago. It's a pretty entertaining sitcom starring... Uh, uh, his name sounds great. SNL. What is his name from SNL? Will Pete Sonic. Davidson. Pete, no, not Pete Davidson. He's coming to town to perform stand-up, weirdly. Will Ferrell. We'll see. Will Ferrell, no. Adam Sandler. That's who it was. Adam Sandler. No. Well, there is new research out that asked people, that asked people, (laughs) if they could survive an apocalypse and be the last person standing. And according to this research... 34% 34% of people who were polled thought they could be the sole survival of an apocalypse. What? A survey of 2,000 U.S. adults. These people were out of their freaking minds. A survey <laughs> of 2,000 U.S. adults looked at how this would be the case and found that these respondents believed that they would outlast everyone because of their strong survival skills and adaptability. Survival skills were listed 40, 54% of the time. Adaptability, a similarly large percentage. of those surveyed see themselves as the underdog of the apocalypse, while more respondents believe that they are the top dog that would undoubtedly survive the entire damn thing. What, do they go to a frat house in West Campus and interview a bunch of kids? Uh, That that may be it. On the weekend, too, at night, so it's uh, probably uh, some alcohol involved that's uh, skewing their opinion on things. 34% of people polled, and you said 2,000 respondents? 2,000 respondents. Said they could be the last person standing in an apocalypse. Yep. Now, another question that was asked is, who would your ideal survival mate be to help you get through an apocalypse? Who's yours? Hmm. Did they give answers? Do you have some responses from people? Probably Mike Glover, former... Uh, Childish Gambino. Oh, that's Donald Glover. No, uh, Mike Glover, who is a former uh, U.S. Army... Or I'm sorry, uh, Special Forces. I forget if it was Marine Special Forces or Army Special Forces. He he basically makes a living helping people get prepared uh, for, uh, for terrible scenarios. I interviewed him a few months ago. So somebody like that yeah. would probably be on my list, but... That's not a celebrity, so it's a very boring answer versus going with someone like, I don't know, The Rock. I'm going with Wags, number one. Yeah, Wags is up there. And then Chuck Norris, I feel like, has got to be high on the list, right? Okay, I'm glad you said Chuck Norris because, according to survey takers, now I think that they... Careful, he's not around here somewhere. (laughs) Bringing him up. They were given carte blanche to uh, to announce somebody. 43% said The Rock. 36% 36% said Chuck Norris, so they're on board with you. 33% said Superman. Come on, people. Let's get real here. That guy's an accountant or something. What's that? What is Superman's day job? He's a reporter. Yeah. Reporters. 26% said John Cena. Well, no one can see him, so I guess that helps. Mm. You would be making a wish if uh, it was you and John Cena. And 23% <laughs> said MacGyver. Wow. MacGyver is the guy that can help you survive off of just some duct tape and toilet paper. Mm. Who are we missing? That, that feels like a strong top five. I mean, the 
And the response to this poll was ridiculous. I just think it's people trying to be funny. I would actually like them to be held accountable. I would love to see what happens with just those people if uh, the world started to fall apart. But um, Well, it may be worth mentioning at this point that this poll was conducted by Quiznos, the sandwich chain. Quiznos is the is the group responsible for conducting this poll. You're kidding. Nope. Quiznos is still around? Is this what they're doing? They're not making subs anymore? They're just polling people on this? I mean, I feel like that's the big big news of this uh, story at the New York Post is Quiznos actually still has locations somewhere and they have enough time and money on their hands that they can run such a ridiculous poll like this. They still have that little rat thing in the commercials? I sure hope they don't have rats in their restaurants. You know what I'm talking about? No. All right, we're about to share a screen here. Hopefully, we don't get popped for copyright. Let's go. Hold on. Okay. Ooh, let's bring John Parker into while we're at it. Hey. Hold on. Why is this? Why is this not? No. Jeff, did you know Quiznos is still a thing? I did not. I haven't had Quiznos Quiznos in years. Okay. Let's see yeah. if you guys. Remember. I have not either. In like literally fifteen to twenty years. I'm a I'm a big Jersey Mike's guy. Okay. Yeah, that guy had a good day for the Giants yesterday, DeVito. <laughs> Solid. All right, here we go. Tommy DeVito. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. okay. Come on, come on. <laughs> You don't remember that? <laughs> I do. I don't remember that. <laughs> that just, just triggered me like fireworks or vacuum cleaners just now. Wow, that was an annoying sound. Uh, Did that air on national television at some point? Oh, yeah. I remember that from my childhood. This video was posted mm -hmm. on YouTube 17 years ago. Yeah, I think the commercial crazy. was probably older than that. Yeah. That was good stuff right there. I don't know what animal that was. I, it, it's not a rat. I think I gave it the wrong attribution there. All right. I don't know how we got there. Did you ask Jeff about the apocalypse thing? No, Jeff. Do you think that you would you could be the sole survivor of a an apocalypse? Whether it's a nuclear holocaust or something along those lines, you think you have what it takes to be the sole survivor of an apocalypse? Hell no. Nah, I'm I'm Thank so you. I'm so fucked. Yeah, not even close. I my survival skills would be atrocious in something like that. Like I've been camping one time in my life, and I think we were out there for like two days without a cell phone at most. And then there was like a casino in the little town in, in this town in California called Bishop. Okay. And there was a uh, there was a casino like ten minutes away. And after that, I was like, "All right, boys, like I'm done. I'm gonna go pick up more beer and head to the casino." <laughs> hey, two days could be worse. You made it. It's, uh, I figured you were going to say like two hours or something. Like you tried to fall asleep in a tent and you just couldn't do it. So you went to the closest hotel or something like that. Oh, no. I have, I have like a little bit of mental toughness. There but not, not, not enough to, to be the sole survivor of a goddamn apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> Schlotsky's did a survey and 34% of people said they think they could be the last man or woman standing on earth in an apocalypse. Yet those people can't even go make a sandwich themselves, but they think they're going to survive an apocalypse. People can't spell Schlotzky's or Quiznos. No, those are both tough. Okay, we were trying to figure out, what was the other question, Trey, in that survey? Like, who would you pick as your... Who would you want as your survival mate? Ooh. Yeah. Am I answering this right now? Yeah. yeah I said uh, Chuck Morris. Who? <laughs> He's in the run. You said Chuck Morris, BK? I said Chuck Norris. Trey says Bob Ballou. Bob Ballou isn't <laughs> running for me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know if I have a good answer to that. Man. The, yeah, The Rock was in the top five. I, I was I was going to throw him out there. But I'm then also, like, just because he's jacked, like, are we just, are, are we picking The Rock just because we think he could, like, take down wildlife for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just kill a deer with his bare hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he had like seven cents to his name once. So if you're out of money, he'd find a way to make you money. Somehow he'd negotiate a good business deal with the whatever's trying to kill us. 
You you guys ever watch Naked and Afraid? Yes. Okay. Yeah, my my fiance and I watch that, and and that's immediately what I'm going to right now. Just putting myself in <laughs> those people's shoes and just being like, I yeah, there's no chance I would make it one day. Like I might I might spend one night out there, and then I would just be like, this is so dumb. Like I'm out. I'm with you on the camping thing, Jeff. I think BK camps more than either you or I do, but it, it's only taken a couple of times in my life to realize that. I like everything about camping except for the uh, pooping, eating, sleeping, and just being in the outdoors. And I pretty much I like the outdoors in the daytime, and that's where my camping yeah. comes to an end. I love how Trey just listed like four things that are pretty critical to camping. <laughs> the four <laughs> most critical things. You don't like, like basically. I just hate it. Yeah, I just hate it all basically. Oh, <laughs> and I'm totally with you. Yeah, inside is is better. I'll take. Uh, Plumbing and running water in a bed over over being outside any day of the yeah, week. And then, you know, all that stuff during the day, I'm with Trey. It's great. And then afterwards, we can go get a nice dinner somewhere or we can go back to the Airbnb, go to the hotel. You know, I mean, yeah. we can we can have it all. That's that's the best part about our world. You can have it all. You don't have to it. sleep on the ground. It's true. You, know, you don't have to shit into a bucket that has a toilet seat over the top of it that you got at Home Depot for two dollars. No, you're paying for that. Just go outside. Just go in nature. Well, when I went to bear camp this last summer with my family, we weren't allowed to do that because it attracted bears. Just take it, grab like a little dog poop bag and then chunk it to the next campsite. Tell the bears to get the other people. We were doing so the, when, um, that one time I went camping. I went with my high school buddies. You could you could, you could only imagine the amount of when when number two was happening the amount of nonsense that was going on. Oh yeah, oh that's that's got to be pure pure distraction at that point in time, and the amount of trash talk to uh, to try and uh, psych that person out to force them to hold it for a little bit longer. Basically, Which pretending we saw bears in the casino. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Checks it out. All right, fellas, I'll be locked in. You guys have a tremendous show. Good stuff, BK. Talk to you tomorrow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See you.